Today's Bible reading is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29 to thir- chapter 30 verse, till verse 20. So before looking the Bible reading, we look into this chapter. Moses in his words to the God's people has recounted how God in his mercy had rescued them and given them his laws so that they may live as his people in his place under his loving rule and care. Moses outlined both the blessings and curses which would come their way, depending upon how they responded to him. We look into the Bible reading, Deuteronomy chapter 29, starting from verse 29. The hidden things belong to the Lord our God, but but the revealed things belong to us and our children forever, so that we may follow all the words of his law. When all these things happen to you, the blessing and curses I have set before you, and you come to your senses while you are here in all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and you and your children return to the Lord our God and obey him with all your heart and all your soul by doing everything I am commanding you today, then he will restore your fortunes have compassion on you and gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord our God has scattered you. Even if your exiles are the farther horizon, he will gather you from and bring you back from there. The Lord our God will bring you into the land your fathers possessed and you will take possession of it. He will cause you to prosper and multiply you more than he did your fathers. The Lord our God will circumcise your heart and your hearts of your descendants, and you will love him with all your heart and all your soul that you will live. The Lord our God will put all these curses on your enemy who hate and persecute you. Then you will again obey him and follow all his commands. I'm commanding you today. The Lord our God will work you prosper abundantly in all the work of your hands, your offspring, the offspring of your livestock and produce of your land. Instead, the Lord will again delight in your prosperity as he delighted in that of your fathers. When they obey the Lord our God by keeping his commands and statutes that are written in this book of the law and return to him with all your heart and your soul, This command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is in heaven so that you have to ask who will go up to heaven, get it for us and proclaim it to us so that they may follow it. And it is not across the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it for you and proclaim it to you so that we may follow it. But the message is very near, in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may follow it. See today, I have set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity. For I am commanding you today to love the Lord our God, to walk in his ways and keep his commands, statutes and ordinance, so that you may live and multiply and the God our Lord will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. 
but if your heart turns away and you do not listen and you are led astray to bow in the worship of to others god and serve them i tell you today that you will certainly perish and you will not prolong your days in the land you are entering to possess across jordan i call heaven and earth has witness against you today that i have set you before you live and death blessing and curse choose life so that you and your descendants may live love the love the lord our god obey him and remain faithful to him for he is, for he is your life and he will prolong your days and you live in the land the lord swore to give you, to your fathers abraham isaac and jacob What have been uh, some of the big decisions that you've made uh, in your life? Uh, it's a rhetorical, don't have to yell them out. Uh, for some of you, it would be uh, uh, a re- relational relationships, others like where you live, your career, all that sort of thing. But can I suggest to you that none of these uh, decisions, really, well, probably not any of them, are going to be life changing decisions. A lot of decisions are going to be significant decisions, but a lot of them are not going to be life-changing decisions. Uh, I didn't really think of it until early hours of this morning, but I'm sure if you Googled how many decisions we make every day, there would be a lot of them. We're all making decisions all of the time. Now, we're coming to the part of the book of Deuteronomy where Moses is speaking to the people on the edge of the land that God was going to give them before they went into it. And he says to them, there's a decision that you need to make and it is a life and a death decision. It is a decision of significant difference to every other decision that you will ever make in your life and it'll affect your life now and it'll affect your life into eternity. It is a literally life and death decision and it's a decision for them and it's a decision that it is also for us that we need to make Uh, as well and he says Moses says to them choose the Lord choose life and uh, we will also need to be challenged by that now Moses has been reminding his people of a number of things as he preaches these sermons this is basically a number of sermons that Moses is preaching to his to God's people as they come into the land speaking about their relationship with God How God chose them, God loved them, God set them apart for him. And then the miracle of the rescue, the rescue that God made for his people. And then the clarity of the rules that God gave them, how they would live as God's loved and saved and rescued people in the land. And then he continued to remind them of their rebellion against God. And now he's going to speak of the repercussions of, or the outcomes of either choosing God, choosing life, or ignoring God and choosing death and going into curse. And then finally, there's a response that he gives to his people. And thank you to the bird, we've got additional uh, antiphonal 
song from the, uh, from the choir. Uh, let's not worry about the bird, although we are talking about curses today, so who knows where that might land. Anyway, we're looking at, uh, finally, uh, we're looking at chapters 27 to 29. We're going to be looking uh, at four chapters of the Bible, believe it or not, but we're just going to be mainly looking at chapter 30. But in chapters 27 to 29... Uh, we see the place of blessing and curse, uh, and we'll be unpacking that. And then we'll be looking at the assurance of God's blessing for his people, the closeness of God's word to his people, and the challenge of God's call for his people, and indeed all of us. So that's where we're going today. Firstly, the place of blessings and curses in chapters 27 to 29. Now Moses tells the people, after they go into the land, uh, he says... Well, he's actually, you might remember, not going in there with them. But he tells them, when you go into the land, you've got to uh, go to a place called Shechem. And uh, now Shechem is in the land of Canaan. It is the place where uh, God met Abraham and told Abraham, like this is centuries before, hey, in the future, I'm going to give this land to your descendants. So Shechem is an is a significant place. By the way, the word Shechem means shoulders, and as you can see, the geography, at, you know where it gets its name from. And there's two mountains on either side, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And Moses says, when you get into the land, what, you need, what you're going to do is half of the tribes of Israel are going to go up on Mount Ebal, and the other half are going to get up on Mount Gerizim. And what you're going to do is a bit like that bird up there, is you're going to chant to each other. You're going to tell one of the people on Mount Ebal are going to recite and recount all of the curses that, that will come upon you all if you ignore the Lord. Cursed is anyone who makes an idol, who dishonours their father and mother, who takes land from their neighbour, who leads the blind astray down the road, who withholds justice from the foreigner, fatherless and widow and so on. And all of the people, like they're yelling out all of these curses across the valley to the other side, to each other, and everyone says, Amen, we agree with that. And then the other half, remember there's uh, 12 tribes, 6 tribes, there's about, I don't know, 750,000 people, there's quite a lot of people up there, and the other people on the other side, they're on Mount Gerizim, and they're going to recount the blessings that they will receive if they do follow the Lord. You'll be blessed in your family, you'll be blessed in your livestock, you'll be protected and you will prosper. And uh, so they recount all of the blessings and all of the curses. It seems like quite straightforward, quite open, very upfront. Now, if I can say, have an aside here in this talk, just to talk about the place of blessings and curses, what are we to make of this? What are we to make of blessings, these blessings and these curses to these people? Does it mean that if we follow the Lord, we'll be prosperous in business and have healthy livestock and have a large family around the dinner table? Well, let's just unpack this. Firstly, I want to just say that this world is a good world gone bad. When God made the world, it was good. If you like, blessing. Blessing of God was with us. The favour of God was upon the world. There was perfect relationship, us and God, us and with each other, us and the, and, and the, and the world around us. It was, it, there was a perfection there in the garden. However, when humanity said no to the life giver, we were plunged into death. When humanity said no to the blessed one, God, we were plunged into the curse. 
this world is a condemned world, a cursed world now. Yes, we still receive the blessings of God. The rain and the sunshine fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. We enjoy blessings of God. All of us do to different degrees in various ways. But it is a good world that has gone bad because of humanity's rebellion against God. Now, we all suffer parts of the curse at different times and in different places and in different degrees. These do not come upon us, Jesus says, because we've specifically done something wrong to deserve something. Okay, we might, that may happen, we might wake up tired because we watched the cricket uh, the night before or whatever it might happen to be. Yes, that is the case. But we will all suffer part of the curse, sickness, illness, frailty, because we live in the world that we live in. It's a good world gone bad. It's a bit like uh, living in Antarctica. We're all going to be cold because that's where we live. And we all suffer parts of the curse of this broken world because that's the world in which we live. We don't have trouble necessarily because we've done the wrong thing particularly. It's not like a lot of the world's religions have this. Oh, what have you done wrong? Even Jesus' disciples said the same question. Why, why did this guy, why was he born blind? Who did the wrong thing? Which of his parents did the wrong thing that he was born blind? That was from his disciples. And Jesus says that was not the case. There's a bigger picture here. So it's a good world gone bad. We all suffer the cursed nature of this world because that's the world in which we live. But superimposed or laid over the top of those general blessings and curses that we all enjoy and we all suffer from are these particular blessings and curses given to the people of Israel at that time in that place before they were to enter the land that God was going to give them. What are we going to make of these, particularly the prosperity? You know, a lot of people will just go, OK, great. I'll be prosperous if I follow the Lord. God promises these people that if they follow and honour him and obey him, they'll be favoured in every place. They'll be fruitful in every sphere. They'll have success in every endeavour and they will triumph over their enemies. What, what, what do we make of that? We need to remember that such prosperity and blessings were outward visible but temporary for those people at that particular time they were outward they were visible they were observable and yet they were temporary but these blessings and curses are not something that we can just import into our view i mean jesus did not come and say follow me and you'll be prosperous he did not say that we do not under the new covenant have any of these blessings particularly poured out for us? There's, there's, it's not there. The old covenant, those people at that time entering that land, yes, 
They were given those so that they could see that God was faithful in keeping his covenant promises. So that the nations around them could see that God was faithful in keeping his covenant promises. So that we, looking back, can be sure that God is faithful in keeping his covenant promises. He did it physically, outwardly, observably, historically for that people at that time. So that we, whom the new covenant has come upon, whose blessings are far greater and more wonderful than those, can be sure that God will deliver because of his word of promise. So these old covenant blessings and curses, blessings particularly I'm focusing on here, because that's the problem that a lot of Christians have, were there for that time. The blessings that we have now are far richer, far greater than a plot of land in, 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 uh, in Israel. They are far more wonderful shall I say, than even a large family around the dinner table or any business, you know, prosperity that we might get because that is only temporary. They are all only temporary, but the blessings that we have in Christ, in the new covenant, why they are inward and they are eternal. Paul writes in Ephesians 1, you know, we have the forgiveness of our sins. Redemption, purchased, not out of slavery in Egypt, but out of slavery to sin and out of sin's domain and out of the curse into God's family. We're adopted into his family as his children. The old covenant family was physical descendants. John writes in his account of Jesus' life that we were, we were born, again, not of you know, natural descent, or of the will of the Father, but born of God. The new covenant blessings are far more rich, lasting than any out, outward temporary blessings under the old covenant. Well, there you go. Sorry, I've, I've ranted and raved about blessings and curses. And uh, has the bird gone? <laughs> so, so that's one blessing. Now all you have to do is figure out how to stop the old man at the front from talking. <laughs> okay. For those of you who are online, we have had a bird in the building and um, it's caused some, you know, concern, let's just say. Moses has outlined now the repercussions of turning aside from the Lord, ignoring the Lord, going our own way or their own way. And they are huge. Uh, they were outward and temporary and they, the people of God, they copped it. They copped the curses because they didn't follow the Lord. And actually Moses knew that they would struggle following the Lord and God knew that they would struggle and God knows that we would struggle to follow him. And so we come to chapter 30, which commences with a beautiful, tender picture of God's grace and God's mercy. Pardon me for ne neglecting to move on to the, the other slide that just sort of said the old covenant blessings were for then, outward and temporary, the new covenant blessings now for us are inward and eternal. Okay, the assurance of God's blessing. Chapter 30 begins really with a beautiful 
picture of God's love and mercy on his people with a great assurance that, yeah, when you take all these blessings and curses to heart, when you people of God really understand that it is serious to reject God, when you take it to heart that God is God, sin is serious, judgment is real, but mercy is available, when all of those things start to sort of click in your brain and you go, God is God, sin is serious, judgment is real, but God's mercy is available. When you take them to heart and return to the Lord, he will welcome you back. He will welcome you back. Like, what an astounding God this is, who will welcome back people who've trampled upon him, ignored him, walked away from him, done their own thing. I mean, people that have done that to you, to me, and then even if they say sorry and oh, I'm sorry about doing that, and they do it again, and then they come back, oh, I'm so sorry, and then they do it again, hurt you more, and they come back, oh, I'm so sorry. We know the struggle we have to forgive. We know the struggle we might have to welcome them back. Look how much God's love is far greater than ours. His mercy beyond anything that we could comprehend. When you come to your senses, he will welcome you back. Does it not remind us of the story that Jesus says, of the guy who said to his dad, I want, your, I want my inheritance now. I know you haven't died yet, but I want it now. And he goes off with that inheritance and blows it on things that he wants to live for. And then comes to his senses, but comes back to his father. And there's a welcome that he did not expect and a welcome that he did not deserve. And this is the gracious God who is compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And it is the God of the Old Testament. It is the God of the Old Covenant. It is the God of Deuteronomy. How are they ever going to return? How are they ever going to change? How is their heart ever going to have anything to do with God? Verse 6 in Deuteronomy 30 speaks of God who will do something in their hearts, an inward work. Yes, for them now, although not perfectly, but eventually uh, he will do a great work to bring their hearts back to himself. Yes, they, were, they would be scattered. Yes, they would be cursed in, in this land. The Assyrians would come down in 722 BC and take out the northern kingdom of Israel. Gone. That's part of the curse coming to, coming to pass because they did not acknowledge, they did not follow the Lord. And yes, in 586 BC, the Babylonians came across and they took out the southern kingdom of Judah. And they were in exile. And then they were brought back under King Cyrus of Persia who let them go back. And then they, found, they also found the word of the Lord uh, in the temple that hadn't been discovered for or read for many years and then they, they did return to the Lord. Yes, there was, this, there was this ups and there was this downs, there was this blessing, but their hearts were never fully and finally changed. And what Moses speaks of here is previewing what Jeremiah and Ezekiel would later uh, prophesy, that God one day will bring in a new 
covenant. A new covenant where God, not like the old covenant, this is going to be an inward renewal and an eternal blessing. God changing the hearts of his people from stone to flesh, from those who are hardened and impenetrable to the things of God, to those who will receive God, whose inclination will be changed towards God. A renewing and inward change. There's an assurance of God's blessing when God's people return to him. Actually, under the new covenant, there's a welcome when anyone comes back or comes to the Lord, comes to Jesus. Well, secondly here, there's the close, the uh, assurance of God's blessing, but then there's the closeness uh, of God's uh, word. Sorry, it's the third point. Uh, the assurance of the closeness of God's word. What Moses says here in, in, in uh, Deuteronomy 30, verse 11, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you, nor is it beyond your reach. God's word is not so mysterious that you cannot understand it. It's not up to heaven where you have to try and find it over uh, up there. It's not over beyond the sea that you have to go across the ocean to get it. No, the word is very near you, verse 14. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart so that you may obey it. Will they obey the word of God perfectly? No, they will not. But God has spoken. His word is clear. His word is understandable. His word is near. You know, a lot of the world's religions will say, oh, you've got to go. You want to go? We want to find out what God's all about? Well, you, you've, got to, you've got to go here. You've got to, you've got to go up to this mountain. You've got to go over to this place. A lot of mysticism will say you've got to go within it's not clear, it's mysterious. This is, that's just a lot of rubbish. Moses says God's word is clear. It is here. He has proclaimed himself and praise to his, uh, to his glory. He has caused it to be written down for us that we may know the Lord and his ways and his mercy. It's near. The secret things, uh, the reading that Jennifer read uh, from Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this, the secret things belong to the Lord. Yes, there's some things that he hasn't revealed to us, but the things that he has revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law. His words are clear, understandable, accessible the problem that we have is not information about god it's inclination toward him that's my problem it's probably yours as well the word is very near it is clear and god has spoken in his word these promises to his people and they came to pass when they did honour him, they were blessed. When they did turn away from him, they were cursed. God is a promise-keeping God so that we could be sure under the new covenant 
that God will continue to deliver and God will continue to speak. Well, uh, fourthly, we have the challenge of God's call. Moses is set before them the assurance of God's blessing when they turn to him, the closeness of God's word to hear it and to live by it. And now he moves to the application of all of this. And it's a challenge, the challenge to hear and to respond to God's call. And so Moses sets before them in verses 15 to 18, if you like, well, it's two ways to live. There's life before you or death. There's prosperity or destruction. He says, for I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, decrees and laws, and then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your hearts turn away and you are not obedient, and if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods to worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land. You are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. And Jesus' friend speaks a similar word, doesn't he not? To say there's two ways to live. There's, a, there's two gates to go through. There's two foundations to build your life upon. You know, there's a, there's a gate that's big. Most people are walking through that in this life without any thought of God, without any inclination of God. And that end is destruction. But there's a narrow gate. It's me. Jesus says, enter there and you have life. And you have a life-changing choice. And I have a life-changing choice. And Moses says to those people, don't be like me who won't enter into that land. Yes, he entered into heaven but he didn't enter the land. Moses says, don't be like that previous generation that rejected God. Listen. Choose life. And I've said it before you today. It's clear and understandable to you all. Choose life. That's the challenge of the choice. Choose the Lord. Choose life. For he is your life, as verse 20 says. Now really, none of them fully did this, and none of us can fully do this, but there was one who did choose life, who fully obeyed his Father, the Lord, the Lord Jesus. And there was no uncleanness in him. There was no curse for him. He was truly the blessed one. He is the blessed one of Psalm 1. There's no curse in him. But listen to what Paul writes about Jesus. Christ redeemed us. He purchased us. He saved us. 
from the curse of the law by doing what? How did Jesus save us from the curse? He became the curse for us. He became cursed for you and for me so that we would not be cursed. So that we who by faith trust in him might receive the promise of the Spirit, which is all in keeping with God's promise to Abraham. That's what it says. God's promise to Abraham was to, to have a, a people in his place under his rule, care and blessing. We see that partially fulfilled as the people enter the promised land. Yes, it's God's rest. It's the blessed land. Well, yes, no. But God did keep his word, but they failed to keep their end. Jesus comes. He is the blessed one. He fully obeyed the Lord. Where we can't, where we fail, he succeeds. And he says, come to me and I will give you rest. There's blessing, friends, in Jesus alone. We think that the blessed things are the bits of dirt down here or the big family around the dinner table, or the successful career. They are outward temporary. They are not our blessings. Our blessings are relationship with God, friendship with him, knowing him, enjoying him, loving him forever, starting now. And the curses of this world will have no hold on us if we are in Christ Jesus. I read the scriptures with my wife and prayed with her stepmum on Friday who was dying. She knew the Lord Jesus and she did pass away just hours after. The curse had no hold on Dorothy because she was in Christ. He took the curse for her. And Jesus, friends, says, come to me. Choose Jesus. He has paid for your debt of sin. He has covered your guilt and your shame. He has delivered you from Satan's realm and the, every curse. He is the way, the truth and the life. And he will take us not to a plot of land in Israel, but he will take us to God's place, heaven itself, the new creation. And this is how the book of Revelation ends. There's a new heaven, a new earth, the voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling place is among his people now. God is their God and they are his people. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. There'll be no more sadness. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more death. And guess what it says? The curse is gone. That's God's plan for broken humanity all wrapped up in Jesus, the rescuer 
the blessed one who takes our curse so that we can be right with God. Choose life. Choose Jesus. How about I pray? Oh, Heavenly Father, we, we are so fickle at running after the trinkets of this world, thinking there's blessing there. But we thank you that in the Lord Jesus, the blessed one, we have every spiritual blessing, the forgiveness of our sins that would otherwise cast us away from you, the adoption into your family, that we can call you Father, the welcome into your eternal kingdom and one day to look forward to everything being under the headship and rulership of King Jesus. We thank you for Jesus who became a curse for us so that we would not have to taste one drop of the curse from you. Thank you for Jesus who clothes us in his righteous life so that we can be cleansed before you, clean, not unclean, but clean. We thank you for the Lord Jesus, whose promise it is to take us home, to be with him. God's people, your people in your place, under your rule and care and blessing. We thank you for the new covenant blessings, which are eternal, inward, real, and ultimately to be enjoyed forevermore in your presence with a new body, in the new creation. We praise you, Lord, for your kindness and we thank you that as we look at Deuteronomy we can see your great mercy and compassion and your great promises to rescue. Amen.